mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work. This is Johnny Peck, and this is episode 33, my favorite number. So I'm excited, and you should be excited too, because we've got Brian Kessinger from NetherRealm Studios on the show. Brian was the gameplay programmer on Injustice 2, the DC Universe fighting game. You may have heard of NetherRealm Studios from a little-known franchise called Mortal Kombat. No big deal. These guys are a Chicago-based games development studio owned by Warner Brothers, and Brian's been with those guys for about two years after doing some pretty intense study, which included a master's degree, computer science, a whole bunch of stuff that I can't even comprehend, really, under the tutelage of Ed Keenan, I believe, former staff member of Midway Games, which previously owned the Mortal Kombat franchise, so that really helped him out, and he's going to talk a bit more about how he got from the college degree straight into a AAA game development studio, what it actually means to be a games programmer, because I didn't understand that really, the challenges that presents, problems he has to overcome on a daily basis, and a little about where creativity meets computer science. Very interesting stuff. Quick little shout out to OK Beast, where I heard Brian interviewed a few weeks back and thought he'd be a great guest on putting in work. If you've heard that interview already, don't worry, there's plenty more from Brian here. So here he is. Enjoy the show. So Brian, we might start with a question. Uh, I asked Andy Cortez the same thing a few months ago, but how do you explain what you do to people who aren't in the industry? Mm, um, <laughs> I mean, initially I tell them that I'm a programmer. And then they're like, oh, like, what do you program? And they're like, uh, video games. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, the nice thing about working for NetherRealm is, I mean, we have an IP that people know. Like, I just mm. say, like, oh, we make Mortal Kombat. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. I get that now. <laughs> sure. What about people who know nothing about what a programmer does? Like, like I say, Uncle Jimmy or, you know, Nan or your next door neighbor or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, some people ask me, they're like, okay, but what do you do? Like, yeah. what? Like, they, they start to, like, drive at the question. It's tough, especially people without any technical knowledge, but I'm a gameplay programmer, so I'm in between the engine programmers and the designers. So I usually try and tell it, like, a higher, like, not like a hierarchy, but, like, uh, like a scale. So, like, the designers are closest to the character, and then the engine team is closest to the hardware, and then we're right in the middle. So... It's providing support for the designers and whatever kind of functionality they need to get their job done. And then also that's going to involve interfacing with, you know, sometimes with the PlayStation and the Xbox directly to make those things work. Okay. Would you say the the engine is, is kind of the physics of the game, but would you say that gameplay programming is making sure that the characters behave in the way that you want them to or that certain actions yeah, have yeah, certain exactly. consequences? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 they're more generic systems. Like, um, you know, I might have to spend time working on, or, or like I specifically did spend some time working on like Superman's eye lasers, uh, for example, because there was something very specific about them and it was a special case. But more generally, like I've done work on like the collision system of the game, you know, leaderboards, these like general systems that impact the entire game. Okay. That's cool. So let's go back a little bit and maybe you can explain how you ended up with NetherRealm and the path that it took to get you there. I studied computer science in for my bachelor's degree back in Buffalo, New York. And when I graduated from there, I was like, what do I want to do? And uh, the answer to that question was I wanted to make video games and I had no idea how to do it still. So I decided to go to graduate school 
came to Chicago, went to graduate school here at DePaul University, and they have a great games program there. One of the guy who's, guys who's heading it up is an old Midway Games programmer, so he's and, and Midway, when it folded, ended up turning into NetherRealm, so he's super familiar with all of my coworkers and things like that, very familiar with the way the systems work over there, so he kind of almost built like a college degree, a master's degree around getting a job at NetherRealm almost. It's like uncanny how like similar and familiar the patterns that he was teaching us are and how applicable they are to my work directly. So uh, NetherRealm runs a great internship contract position um, that's rolling, constantly rolling. Um, so it's nine months long, and they pay you, and they'll take you on basically without any AAA experience. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. And uh, one of my buddies at the time had it. He recommended me, and I took it up. And then uh, when the nine months was up, uh, I was lucky enough to be hired on on salary. That's awesome. So what do you think it was about you that got you the internship or that made you stand out compared to, I imagine that was a class of a lot of people that would have loved to have that position. The master's degree itself isn't that big of a class, if, if that's right. what you're poking yeah. at, but because it's such a niche thing, game development. But I'm not sure. They were, look at the time, I've been doing a lot of UI programming, user interface programming. So at the, I remember during my first interview for the uh, contract position, they're like, oh, like we see you have some design experience. We see you have some, you know, Photoshop and and Illustrator experience. Like, what can you, can you tell us about that? And I was uh, the creative director at my college newspaper and had grown up learning Photoshop and InDesign and Illustrator and all these things. So I had a pretty good design background, and that was going to be valuable to them, I guess, because uh, we work in. Adobe Flash for some of our UI screens and things like that, and even Photoshop directly. So sometimes it's really helpful for a programmer to have that knowledge of the design side as well. So Okay. It was almost like your level of education in itself made you stand out for them when they're looking to hire someone or give an internship to someone. Yeah, and, and they're very familiar with DePaul. I mean, most, not most, probably a lot, a good strong percentage of the people that work there have either gone through the DePaul program or they worked with Ed the guy who hmm. runs the DePaul program they worked with him in the midway days like it's they're very familiar with that so they know what they're getting in terms of level of education and especially someone who's gone through the masters sure so you mentioned like the creative background that you had how much of a role does creativity play in computer science because it's obviously very technical I imagine that's a lot of coding and you know if i looked at what you worked on in, in programming i probably would just see a bunch of numbers and letters and not necessarily something that <laughs> looks like superman's lasers or whatever it is that you're working right on. so how do those two things mesh i think they mesh a lot more than people think they do computer science has a huge creative element to it because it's like a writer right like you're giving a blank sheet of paper and you have to write something you're supposed to write a story or whatever it is you, you wrote a book you, you know what i'm talking about yeah so it's the same thing with programming, right? I just have a blank computer screen and I have to write a bunch of code that makes this thing work. And there's a million ways to do that. But what is going to be the most efficient way? What is going to be the most readable way? Because I'm not the only one reading this code. You know, there's 30 other people that have to read this code. So it has to be legible and understandable in a way that's not convoluted. 
and it has to be intuitive. So the creativity on the side of computer science comes from, or at least for programming, because computer science is more theoretical. So at least for programming is, it's it's the architecture. It's how I'm building the code in in a way that's going to effectively work. Okay. So would you say that uh, a lot of programmers don't have these creative abilities? I mean, like typically when I think of a programmer, I think of the, you know, stereotypical nerd who yeah. uh, is working on something that has nothing to do with video games. So do you think the video game industry specifically attracts people with that creative gene? So it's funny. At the start of the question, I was like, I think all programmers have it in them, um, but I don't think they either recognize it as creativity. Sure. Or, yeah, I see what you mean there. Because it's not your traditional you know, creativity, it's not flashy colors mm. and like, you know, painting a, on a canvas or something like that. But uh, towards the end of the question, I kind of started to decide with, yeah, it might be more of a games industry kind of thing or that, it, that the industry attracts those types of programmers because there's a lot of applications for programming, obviously, but very few of them are real-time applications. That's That's what games are, right? Like I give it an input and it responds to me. You know, there's tons of other applications out there, right? Like... I don't know, like banking software or something mm-hmm. like that or, you know, applications on your phone. But these aren't real-time applications. They're more like call-and-response type applications. So there's not all this intense processing going on in the background. So, like, I was reading an article the other day about this. TechCrunch put out this article. It's like, death to C++, which is the programming language most games are built on. And the article just runs through a list of reasons on why it's too old and it needs to go and these types of things. Uh, and it's too complicated and it's too difficult. But... The reason we use it is because it's a real-time application. We need to use it because it's the fastest programming language there is out there. And I think people often forget, or at least programmers in the industry who aren't in the games industry often forget about video games and how it's a real-time application. And it has to, we have to get everything done in 16 milliseconds in order for it to be 60 frames a second. How much of when you're programming gameplay is something that's done for artistic reasons versus functional. Like, for example, in a fighting game, you might have to tweak how something looks, but how much of it is Mm -hmm. also about the way that it affects the other characters, like damage in fighting games and all that kind of thing? It depends. It depends on what system you're working on. There's obviously things that are going to affect everything. I think uh, if I punch you, right, how am I punching you? How are we deciding on that collision? Like, how does that make... How does the computer understand that that's a collision, right? There's usually shapes involved. There's usually collision volumes. So it's usually these like primitive shapes of like a cylinder or a sphere or something. Um, and, you know, changing the way that works might affect the entire game. So, so like changing the way you come to that decision of did I collide or not might affect the entire game. But optimizing it so that it's quicker, the end user isn't going to see the difference, mm. right? But the game might just run better. It might run faster. I would say often, especially on the gameplay team, our biggest customers are the designers. So the designers are dreaming up these big ideas. And then we need to come up with systems in order to make them work. Now, obviously, it's like, you know, they're designing the game, but we also have input as well. It's not just this, like, just the dictatorship type of situation. Mm-hmm. But still, we're, that's our job, right? We have to solve the problem. We have to solve the problem. And that's why we're software engineers, to in order to get superman's eye lasers to work in a particular way because that's how they designed it that's how they want it to work it sounds like there's a lot of math involved can you talk a little bit about oh yeah (laughs) 
a little bit about the skills that you need to be able to do the work that you do? There's a ton of math involved. Um, a lot of vector math. Um, so with that would mean in like physics, there's like a force, right? So it's a, a vector. It's portrayed by a vector, and then you could do calculations on that vector and points and things like that. It's a lot of geometry, but I think most of all, it's most it's it's logic, right? Like programming at at its base and I think that's why it scares people a lot is because, oh, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math. It is math, but at the same time, it's mostly just logic. It's like, if this, then this. If not this, but maybe this other thing, then then this, you know? It's just a huge conglomeration of these, like, if statements and for loops going looping over things a bunch of specific amount of times or until a specific condition is met. Um it's a lot of logic and in textbook terms that's called discrete mathematics um you take classes on it if you usually when you get a computer science degree um and you have to do a lot of pen and paper math of these ridiculous logic problems and things like that but it's really just critical thinking and 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 logic okay yeah it sounds like some cause and effect from kind of a different angle yeah you mentioned the teacher that you're fortunate to have. How important is it for someone in your position to have a, a good mentor when they're on the cusp, I guess, of finding employment in an industry that doesn't have a ton of work? I think it's, I mean, it's crucial for anyone to have a good mentor. It's really important to have that good perspective. And in an age where everything is online and you can learn pretty much anything on the internet, you need to have an edge over someone else and a mentor is going to understand what that edge is or you're not going to have any time to waste so your mentor is going to have to give you your like your best critical path to your goal i would not have my job without ed i would not like it's it's very simple (laughs) i i would not know how to make games i might have learned to make games at a different school or from someone else um but i would very very likely not have this job at NetherRealm. I would be much likely working at a different company or something else. It's awesome, and I mean something probably far less interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and how long have you been with NetherRealm now? Um, just about two years sure. now. So two years in, how how do you look at the experience, and how like just stoked are you to have such a great job at a company that's behind such iconic IPs as you know DC Universe and Mortal Kombat? Yeah, it's amazing. It sounds corny, but like it's my dream. Yeah. Like I wanted to make video games ever since I was a kid. Like I go to work and I work with superheroes. Like my <laughs> my worst day is not that bad, it, you know. And it's all relative. I get down about it too, and it can be tough putting out your work on the internet for people to completely tear apart, uh, especially when it's millions of people. But at the end of the day it's the best job in the world. Like I, I love my job. I love going to work every day. Uh, I mean, I just got up at seven forty-five in the morning to talk to you about it. So <laughs> that's a rare sighting. <laughs> Absolutely. I can, I can respect that very much, Brian, <laughs> but you know, as much as you enjoy it, I'm sure that every day you're presented with incredible challenges, things that you've never had to do before, things that, you know, no one's necessarily had that exact scenario before. So I imagine there's a lot of problem solving. What what would you say has been the most challenging part of your job so far? I think turning it off, going home and turning off my brain and, and letting my job be my job and, and, and living a life outside of it, um, especially early on or especially when the game launched. 
and I, and I still am very engrossed in the community and, and and talking to people online and on Twitter and playing, making sure I'm playing the game outside of work so I can stay connected to the community. And I want to know what's going on with our players. I want to know what's going on with our game. Uh, but in the beginning, that was very consuming, especially, I mean, I was super excited. It was my first game launch. Uh, but that's definitely been a struggle because I spend, you know, eight to 10 hours working on it a day. And then I go home and maybe I play it or something like that. It could become exhausting to constantly be thinking about work and this game. So it's become uh, a challenge for me to find that work-life balance and really just kind of turn it off after a while. Sure. Before landing the job that you've got now, what was the hardest part of, I guess, getting to that point where you were sitting there with all the skills that were required to be a game dev? Finding the in. Finding the right in, foot in the door into the industry is probably the most difficult thing that everyone struggles with. You could have a fantastic resume with a great set of skills and, you know, maybe you're just not lucky enough that a job position is not open right now or you can't get that first round interview because there's just an algorithm running on your LinkedIn profile that says you're not that great of a (laughs) match or something. You know, it's, it's... This is probably the hardest part was getting into the industry. Um, and I was very lucky and fortunate and I'm very grateful to, to be here. It's, 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 I'm, I know I'm one of the lucky few. So it's, yep. it's great. It's good that you can, I mean, every time I talk to someone with a, with, with a cool job, I'm, I always make sure I tell them you've done well. <laughs> you've yeah. Done well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Are there any Thank you. unexpected consequences of working on? video games like do you ever get home and just be like i do not want to think about programming or gameplay or a dual shock controller i just want to you know stay away from yeah superheroes um, i think for a while i was definitely falling off of games i wasn't really playing many games um i've gotten back to playing games recently uh pretty heavily um but i think more to the extreme of that is Sometimes I just need like a weekend away. I need to go away. Like me and my girlfriend will go camping or something like that. Something where there's no technology, no phones, no anything, and just like disconnect from the internet for a few days. Um, that's the best like refresher I can get usually. Yeah, I guess uh, if it starts to feel like work when you're not at work, that's a good sign that it's time to, you know, put the Vita or the Switch away and yeah, yeah, and just get into nature maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's, uh, you, you've probably been asked this dozens of times, but what's your advice to people looking to get into the games industry? You got to start making now. Like there's these free tools out there, Unity and, you know, Unreal Engine 4 are both free to download. Uh, they have amazing tutorials for people who don't know how to program. Uh, just get out there and start making stuff. Start with their games. Like Unity has these great set of tutorials that are, uh, officially put out by them so they give you all the game assets they give you all the models all the art all the effects and everything and then they walk you through how to create that game and that's how you're going to learn you got to start by making something so start with that learn how to make their game and then you'll understand how to tweak these variables and you know move a sprite a specific way or you know whatever gameplay mechanic you're looking for you'll learn how to do it just by mimicking something to start uh and by starting to create now, you're not waiting. Like even if you're 15, if you're, or if you're 35, like it doesn't matter. Like if you want to make video games, the tools are available, and YouTube has a billion tutorials out there. 
start making. And I'm sure, you know, it's the same on the media side, like, like you guys are super familiar with when people tell you, how do you get in the games industry from the, on the media side as well? It's like, just start making stuff, start creating mm-hmm. podcasts with your friends and things like that. So if you have artist friends and you want to be a programmer or you want to be a designer, just start, you know, get together with these people, start making stuff. And are those tools really like the very first entry point that you need? Like you don't have to any background or any artistic or, you know, programming understanding to jump into Unity or do they teach you those things all along the way? Unity especially. Uh, UE4 is much bigger beast and it's much more complicated, but Unity is, is, is great. It's a great, it's, it's funny because I was, I was just about to say it's a great beginner's tool, but also like some really great AAA, AA games have been made in Unity. So it's not just a beginner's tool. It's just a really great ease of use tool. Um, and it's very beginner friendly. And it uses a programming language called C Sharp, which is much more user friendly than something like C++. You really, cause they really do just give you the source code. They're like, here's all the code to make the game work, but we're going to go through it line by line with you and tell you what it's doing. Uh, so yeah, I don't think you'll need any like little if at all any programming knowledge or experience to really just jump in and get started if there's any programmers out there who have no experience in video games and maybe they don't you know they're not certain that they have that creative um, ability that we've been talking about earlier what would be a way that they can move sideways from whether it's developing you know a cms or something like a website development to getting into video game industry I mean, that's exactly what I did. I was a back-end web programmer yeah. before I was working in games. I mean, you could spend a ton of money and go to school for it, uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure that that would be your best bet, especially if you're a really good programmer already. Even if you're not, I think I think the answer is still the same. Like Now you know programming, and you understand the, a bunch of programming concepts. Uh, you also should be downloading Unity and Unreal and really digging into these things and uh breaking open these games and trying to break them and expand them and fix them along the way just so that they become something cool if you're because you may understand like i know previously when i was in web development i was like i understand programming and i have a computer science degree but i still don't have any idea how games are made that still doesn't make any sense to me like how are you moving these models across a field like how is it animate how does it blend between animations like how does how, how do these things happen you're just not going to know until you dive in. You really just got to dive in and start figuring these things out. And it's not like you're alone and it's this huge daunting task. Like start small, start with 2d. Do not go to 3d right away because <laughs> that extra dimension is not like a linear escalation in difficulty. It's like exponential 2d and 3d are immensely different. Um, so just start with 2d and, and you know, start animating some sprites and create simple games and, you'll learn these concepts and start understanding the engine and what it's capable of and you'll be able to build stuff. It's cool. It's good advice, I think. I mean, I don't know anything about programming, but the thought that I'm one software program away from understanding how it works is is pretty cool. Yeah, and I honestly believe that if you chose today, or well, (laughs) I guess tomorrow because you're about to go to bed, but (laughs) if you chose tomorrow... uh, to start programming in unity you you probably could like you just pick it up and start learning yep yeah there's only only 25 minutes left in the day so i'm not <laughs> sure i could pull that off today 
Uh, Brian, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? And know that I wouldn't fail? Yeah. Do I need to have the skills to do this? So, no, I guess not. Based on the premise of the question, I don't no. have to have the skills. Um, it's not a. It's not necessarily yeah. a realistic question. It's just. I have absolutely no project. musical talents, um, but I think I would become like some kind of musical artist or something. Like maybe like a like Composer? my mind. Nah, no, God, no, not that. <laughs> not that technical. <laughs> My mind says like like a performer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mind says like I want to be like a hip hop artist, but I know in absolutely no <laughs> realm of possibility is that going to happen because <laughs> I am not musically oriented at all. What about in the space of say, if you could work on like any game or have any position at any company, like what would be the kind of thing you'd like to work on? I think towards the end uh, of my career, which I mean, hopefully, is a long ways out. Um, I want to be like a creative director. Um, I want to oversee the creative vision of a game, um, much like Ed Boon does at our company or mm. like a Ken Levine or, uh, you know, any of these guys who are, are overseeing or people who are overseeing the creative vision for the game and, uh, you know, like Neil Druckmann or someone, you know, sure. like these types of people who are really driving the force of the game and, and they're really, it's, it's almost like, you know, sure, the whole team is working on it, but this is their vision. This is their game that they've created in their head, and they're trying to get the team to create that game. And having some creative skills as well, is it something where you've considered, you know, whether it's a spare time side project or a future possibility working on an indie game and, and having, a, you know, almost full control over a smaller title? I mean, I have... From when I was in college, I have, like, a Google document of, like, a bunch of game ideas that are just, like, mm. listed out. But I don't really have a desire for that right now. I think, well, one, I don't have the time. But yeah. if I did have the time, I don't know that I'd be working on it anyway. I just really want to focus on my job right now. I still have so much to learn in terms of my position right now. Uh, a lot of the people I've been working with have been in this industry for 10, 15, 20 years. You know? So a bunch of these people worked on the original Mortal Kombat. Like that's wow. crazy. So that is insane. Yeah. So th they have so much knowledge and wisdom and foresight. Uh, so it, yeah, I just really want to like focus on learning from them as much as possible right now. Excellent. And what can people look forward to uh, from Netherrealm as far as the upcoming months? Yeah. So we got Fighter Pack Two, um, which has just been announced. So that's uh, Black Manta, Raiden, and Hellboy coming out for Injustice Two. And then uh, Fighter Pack 3 will probably be announced in the next couple months. Um, people know that there's a Fighter Pack 3, but not who's in Fighter Pack 3. So that'll be coming out in the next uh, few months or so. There'll be an announcement for that. Injustice Championship Series. There's all types of Pro Series events going on and stuff like that for esports. So you can check all that stuff out too. And is there anything you definitely 100% cannot talk about that you know that we don't know? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that feel like? <laughs> uh, cool, exciting, but also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Is it hard keeping it to yourself? Uh, no, I think it's it, initially, yes. It's probably part of the fun, I imagine. Yeah, but it's also become second nature. It has to. 
Otherwise, uh, I'd be out sure. of a job very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a little bit like planning a surprise party for someone. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for chatting, Brian. I appreciate uh, getting getting out of bed early for me and yeah, turning on the computer. It's been good to, to learn a bit more about the industry and this programming side of it that I really honestly had very little idea about before this yeah anytime man this is really cool i appreciate you having me on thanks for listening that was brian kessinger and you can find him on twitter at brian writes code check out injustice 2 have a play around with superman's lasers and let brian know what you think as always you can find me on twitter at johnny himself and until next week keep putting in work